0: Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. We believe that with smart marketing, you can compete with the largest players in your industry. I'm your host, Michael Stelsner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who wanna know what works with social media. Today, I'm gonna be joined by Mandy McEwen, and we're gonna talk about how to establish thought leadership on LinkedIn for your business. Trust me, solid gold in this episode. By the way, if you wanna reach out to me, I am at Stelsner on Instagram. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show because we've got some amazing content coming in the future. I've got a question for you. Did your business transition to e-commerce sales during the pandemic? Are you looking for an easier way to scale your e-commerce sales? If so, you should explore the Wix e-commerce platform. It's an omni-channel solution that manages all of your offline and online customer transactions In a single powerful dashboard. Now, all your customer data, sales inventory, delivery and fulfillment, and marketing are powered by a single platform, the Wix e commerce platform. From a single dashboard, you can manage your CRM, email marketing, SMS marketing, live chat, automation, all customer communications, and more. Plus, Facebook Ads by Wix leverages artificial intelligence to learn about your audience and then run and optimize your Instagram and Facebook ads for you. With this one feature alone, Wix e-commerce customers average a 1,000% return on ad spend and 40% have doubled their sales. Join more than 700,000 active Wix e-commerce stores. Here's your next step. Go to wix.com slash e commerce and get started creating your store. Again, wix.com slash e commerce. You support this podcast by checking out our sponsors. Hey, I've got a quick question for you. Do you lack the confidence to run Facebook and Instagram ads for your business? Do you feel like you're missing out on an enormous pool of future customers? Are you ready to quit? Using ads because you just don't know why they're not working. Here's the solution. You need a guide. Someone who can help you predictably increase your revenue with Facebook and Instagram ads. What if you could tap the insights of a major influencer? Someone who's been on this show three times to receive guidance that really works. She's a regular on our weekly talk show. She's been all over our YouTube channel and she's spoken on all of our stages. Who is this expert? It's Allie Bloyd. Her specialty is helping small business marketers increase their sales with Facebook and Instagram ads. With her 12 month mentorship program, she'll show you how to develop a proven system so you can predictively increase your revenue. You get four to six hours live with Ally Bloyd every week. This is not just pre-recorded videos. This is live mentorship. Throw away all your other courses and coaches. Stop struggling. Join Marketing Mastery with Ally Bloyd, the easy decision for small business marketers. Go to AllieBloyd.com slash SME and apply today. Discover how to use paid acquisition with confidence and grow your business predictively. Again, visit allybloydcom slash SME. You support this show by checking out our sponsors. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Mandy McEwen, Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Mandy McEwen. If you don't know who she is, she's a LinkedIn expert and founder of Mod Girl Marketing, a consultancy that helps marketing teams increase their exposure on LinkedIn. Her LinkedIn live show is called Ambitious Outcomes and she's a top B2B marketer according to LinkedIn. Mandy, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: So today we're gonna talk about how to establish thought leadership on LinkedIn for your business. And I'm really excited about that. But before we dig in, let's start with your story. Like how in the world did you get into LinkedIn? Start wherever you want to start.
1: Yes, that is a loaded question. So I will start in the beginning. It's it's an interesting story. I'll try to keep it short though. So we haven't been doing technically LinkedIn the entire time I've had my agency. And just uh, recently in the past 18 months, I've really focused on it, but I've always used it. Um, really for the last decade. So before starting my agency, I had a regular job out of college, of course, like most people, and decided that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I did your typical, you know, how to make money online, Google search, like everyone else and their dog does. Right, right. And then I know, right, glorious. And then I stumbled across affiliate marketing. And mm. so that's really how I got into online marketing. And so I had a full time sales job out of college. And then on the side, I taught myself HTML and I built my first like affiliate site. It was actually a dating website wow. uh, back in like, 2007 before I knew that WordPress was a thing. Yeah. So that was a tough learning after doing HTML
0: site. Hey, WordPress still uses HTML and its source code. True. So, this you know, you true. can learn some stuff and like still <laughs> apply it. Right.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly. So once I discovered that, it was like, oh, this is, you know, it's on now. So I had all sorts of affiliate sites, you know, from ebooks on ClickBank to, you know, dog products, Amazon products, whatever, you name it. Then I started flipping websites. So I would build brands from scratch that were affiliate brands. Then I would sell them on Flippa.com. And that's actually where I got my first client. And I didn't even realize at the time it was a client, but a Canadian entrepreneur ended up buying some of my brands. And then he hired me to do the same thing, build out more brands on WordPress websites for affiliate sites.
0: What were you building? Blogs?
1: Yeah, it was just WordPress blogs that were really pretty. You know, And you were
0: publishing content that was drawing yep. an audience about just everyday kind of things like dogs and stuff or what?
1: Good question. Uh, it was SEO primarily and Twitter. Okay. So that was my jam. So I was an SEO expert and blogger. Okay. So that was really what I, you know, how I was able to get lots of traffic when I first started out in marketing was SEO friendly blogging. Ah. So it was that.
0: So you were designing stuff that drew drew an audience from Google search is really what you're saying, right?
1: Exactly. Yep. So I would just create articles that would rank in Google around a certain topic, right? So like he was big on horses. He hired me to to build out this entire like horse training blog. Hmm. And then I would write articles for him on horses, you know, and then it would link to certain products and horse training,
0: et cetera. Fascinating. Keep going with the story.
1: Yeah, it was interesting. So Then in my real world job, right, as a sales rep for a home improvement company, I would hear these business owners, roofers, et cetera, complain about their web designers and their SEO guys and how they're ripping them off, how they're not getting any results, how their websites are horrible. And I just had this like aha moment of, wait, I've been doing this now for a couple of years myself and hardly making any money. You know, there was certainly not enough to quit my job off of making like $10 affiliate commissions, right? So... I started talking to them and I was like, man, I think I might have something here. So I sent out an email to chiropractors in Kansas City. So that's where I started my business was in Kansas City. And I I found them that they weren't ranked on, you know, page one in Google. So I would go, I'd go to Google, type in like chiropractor Overland Park, which is the suburb, you know, I lived in and, and where I started my business in Kansas City. And then I would just email all the chiropractors that were on like pages two, three, and four. And I would say, Hey, I noticed you're on page one in Google. If you want to be on page one, I will do it for you for free. And then once I get you in the top five results, all you have to do is pay me $500 and then we can go from there.
0: Oh, I see. So you did it, but only if you could deliver the results that they have to pay you. Exactly. And did you get a lot of takers?
1: Performance-based SEO. Yes, I did actually. And I didn't even have to get a lot. Like all I got was in the beginning was two. Um, and then those ended up turning into monthly SEO retainers mm. that would pay me 500 a month. And then I happened to meet, you know, a, a roofer through my job and then they had roofer friends and then they had roofer friends. And next thing I knew I was redesigning websites and WordPress and doing SEO for a handful of local businesses just from referrals and me cold emailing people doing it for free at first. And so, that's really how Mod Girl was born. And then it got to the point where I was like, oh, I I think I can quit my job now. And I think I need to hire people. And so we started off as a local online marketing company in the Kansas City area.
0: So keep going with the story. I am. (laughs) And by the way, it's really interesting. So what does Mod Girl stand for? Like modern girl? Is that the idea? It
1: does. You got it. Yep. Modern. And the reason I did girl is because, you know, back in the day in 2007, there wasn't a single female doing SEO and web design that I could find online. Yeah. It was all male, all of
0: them, you know? That's
1: cool. And so I was like, I want to stand out. Obviously, I'm going to stand out anyway, just because I am a female. But I want people to not even see my face and realize that this company is owned by a female because there was literally no one. I was learning from all dudes, which is fine. That's great. And I'm so grateful for them and all the mentors I've had over the years. But I wanted to stand out. And so that's where Mod Girl came from, you know, not to mention everything I was doing was modern and it did, stand out. And it was, in my opinion, way better than the old school guys that were doing this, right? Websites were better. They were more modern. They were more crisp. They were more clear. My content was better. Like everything about my services were more modern. And so that's kind of where that name came from.
0: How did you stumble into LinkedIn?
1: Yes, good question. So, as I was doing local businesses, I started doing blogging for myself and ranking in Google for national keywords, right? And I started getting white label clients from my white label online marketing. I ranked number one in Google for the term white label online marketing for years. And so, I got this idea let me partner with bigger agencies who can hire me as a white label provider and I can do their clients' SEO and they
0: eventually social media. Explain what white label is for people that might not know yes. what that means.
1: So, white label is basically you can come to Modgirl and hire us at the time. And we will be behind the scenes doing all of the SEO for your clients. And the clients don't even know that mod
0: girl exists. Ah, I see. And so yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: you just pay us
0: like subcontractor basically, right? Exactly. Got it. P-
1: pretty much, you know? Yeah. Then I started getting, you know, national clients that way and referrals, you know, from a nationwide level. And then we started getting into technology. And this is all just basically, you know, I had a LinkedIn profile the whole time. And so the more time went on and the more I started getting more national clients, I started digging into LinkedIn more and leveraging it more. And so, you know, I've really been using it really since I started ModGirl, which was back in 2010. And so Once I started doing that, I worked with a lot of agencies. So historically, I've always worked with loads of other agencies because of the white label services. So the Mm. moment I started Girl back in 2010, I've been partnering with fellow agencies this whole time. And so I stumbled across kind of a goldmine on LinkedIn that I didn't feel like people were tapping into. And so I started telling my agency friends about it the ones I worked with, the ones that would hire me for white label. And one of the conversations I had with an individual, I literally, it was like a 30 minute call. I told her what I was doing on LinkedIn. She went out and did it. And within one week, she landed 15 meetings with wow. business owners wow. in one week. Wow! And I was like, okay, I think I'm onto something here, you know, because she was ecstatic, right? And this was just like a regular phone call. I'm just giving her tips. So I was like, I think I should make a course on this. And I had already had a course, you know, I was kind of already diving into the course world anyway. So, you know, I've been, I'd been using it to, to generate amazing results. And so then I went ahead and created um, my second course, which is a it was a high-ticket course, six weeks. This was back in 2017, right? So I'd been using it for a good seven years at this point, but really not consistently until right around that time, you know, 2016, 2017, I was using it a lot. And that's when I created the courses for it. And then um, those did well. And then of course, typical entrepreneur ADD, I wanted to do a million other things. So I created more courses and a Facebook group. And, you know, I was, I kind of branded myself as this agency coach, but also this LinkedIn girl, right? Because I was the one kind of teaching other agencies how to leverage LinkedIn. At the time, there wasn't a lot of people that were doing that. There was a lot of automation, though. I'm sure you've seen like all the automated, lovely, not really lovely (laughs) tasks that LinkedIn especially had back in the day. It was kind of like the wild, wild west. And one of my courses actually was on leveraging automation, which we don't recommend anymore. And so that kind of turned into me being kind of known as the LinkedIn girl, and then I actually caught the attention of LinkedIn themselves. Um, and so their marketing team has been collaborating with me for the last few years. I've been hosting webinars for them and contributing to their blogs. I was invited to a couple of their in-person events. And so because of you know my love for LinkedIn and, and me sharing my knowledge on how other marketers and consultants and business owners can leverage it. I caught their attention. And then just in the past 18 months or so, I really decided, hey, let's really drill down on this. Like, I love it. We are really good at it. There's a massive need right now. LinkedIn, you know, is confusing and and really something that a lot of people don't know how to leverage. And there's not enough people like us doing this and helping them. And so I saw this need, you know, instead of being a full service agency that that focuses on organic digital marketing, let's drill down and let's help these B2B organizations with their LinkedIn. And so that's what we do now. We created a new brand earlier this year called Luminetics. And so what we are doing is we are partnering with marketing teams and sales teams, and we are creating robust strategies, consulting and training on really how they can maximize LinkedIn. And so we're doing that for a lot of uh, technology companies, SaaS companies, cybersecurity, et cetera, And it's very, very powerful because, like I said, not a lot of people know how to leverage it and there's just so much opportunity there. So that's what we're doing now.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So a lot of our audience is definitely interested in what we're going to talk about next year, establishing thought leadership. So what I want to ask is why LinkedIn? Because when we think of thought leadership these days, right? We're thinking Instagram, we're thinking YouTube, maybe we're thinking Facebook, but LinkedIn, I'm curious, Like, make the case, especially for the skeptics that are listening right now, why their business could really maybe thrive with thought leadership on LinkedIn.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, solid question. And you know, I I didn't really mention this. But one reason I, I love LinkedIn and why I've had a lot of success with it is because it has been really the home of my personal brand. And I don't think that there's a better social media network to be the home of your personal brand. And the reason being is there's no other social media network that has a quote LinkedIn profile, where you can literally Tell people this is exactly how I help people read through it. Here's the values that I provide. This is what I've accomplished. And look at these featured media links going to certain things. Here's my experience section where you can see the history of my work and what I've done, you know, and not to mention the content side of things. And so you can't do that on Facebook or Instagram.
0: Well, you you could, but you're not going to get any reach or exposure, right? Exactly.
1: (laughs) Because that's not what it's for, you know? Right. So LinkedIn is literally the only business first social media network in the world. And with that said, it is where professionals hang out. I mean, you're there's tons of stats here. I mean, there's 61 million decision makers, which are senior level professionals. And so you're not going to find as many, you know, C-suite hanging out on Facebook and Instagram as you will on LinkedIn. That's where they are.
0: Awesome. So when it comes to a business though, and I guess this is kind of uh, maybe a, a bridge question here, because a lot of businesses, you know, like we, we're talking about thought leadership for the business sure. and you're talking about the personal profile. So like connect the dots there a little bit.
1: Sure thing. So, yeah. And, and it really goes, you know, they they need to work hand in hand together, you know, so it is, you know, and backing up, like LinkedIn is where people go to learn about new industry trends and to keep up on what's going on in their industry. That's that's where professionals hang out. That's that's why they're there. And not to mention they're there to network with other, you know, professionals. So when we're talking about a company and a personal brand, we like to leverage both. And so the company page is obviously incredibly important, but I wouldn't say to invest a whole lot of resources into the company page if you're not willing to invest resources into a personal page because you really need that human-to-human connection, right? So we're doing business with humans. We're not doing business with logos. And when you leverage a personal profile on the LinkedIn platform and add that to the mix of your strategy for the company page, you're going to get far better results because, again, it's coming from a human being with a headshot face and not a logo. And that is why leveraging personal profiles do so well.
0: This is fascinating to so many of us, right? Like that are either business owners like me that have a bunch of employees or those of us that are marketers working for a company and we don't own the thing, you know, it's like, wow, okay. We don't have to just use the LinkedIn company page. We can actually use our personal profile of somebody inside the company And I know a lot of people are thinking right now, well, who in the world do we pick, right? Mm Because, you know, we have a lot of small businesses and midsize and large, but mostly small businesses listening right now. Who should be the face of the company if we're going to use the personal profile or how do we even make that decision? Like, what's your feedback on that?
1: Yeah, good question. So first of all, this person needs to be an expert. You know, you you don't want to pick someone who just graduated college and just started working for you, right? Or someone who's brand new to the industry. So it needs to be someone that is passionate about what they do, what you guys do in the company, and has expertise and experience. And so they have potential to be a thought leader. Um, that's first and foremost. But the second thing is they have to be willing to do it. You know, like we've worked with plenty of companies where we have loads of executives that are incredible and and have all the things that, that are required to be a thought leader, but they have no desire to do mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to work. You know, you can't force someone to be, you know, the front facing individual in these types of situations. You just can't because it's going to be obvious that it's forced, you know. And then the second thing is, or the third thing, I guess, at this point, they need to be decent on camera because a lot of what we do and what I recommend that you guys do who are listening is leverage video, video content, really for every platform. But we're talking about LinkedIn here specifically, so definitely on LinkedIn. And and that is obvious if, you know, especially if people are really camera shy and not comfortable on camera, then it's probably not a good idea to use them.
0: Okay. They have to have some expertise. They've got to have this willingness to do this. Hey, are you willing to be the face of the brand, right? Mm -hmm. And they've got to be comfortable enough on video, right? Which means they have to be semi-articulate, right? Exactly. And be willing to, you know, like if they're a good presenter or speaker, it sounds like that's kind of a good sign. Am I correct on that?
1: Exactly. Yeah. And they don't you know, they don't have to be experts here. I'm not saying that they, you know, have hours upon hours of camera time on, you know, making videos, but they need to be comfortable on camera, you know, because some people it's, it's interesting. We'll work with people and they're great, like talking to them on the phone and everything. And then you get them on camera. And they're like a completely different person, you know, and then you have the opposite. And then you have people where you're like, I don't really know if they'd be great on camera and you hop on camera with them and they're great, you know, and so you never really know. And that's why I recommend to when I'm talking to, to, to clients about this is test it out. You know, like if you have an idea of let's say you have five people on your team who you think might be potentially great for this role. Put some sort of you know video uh, campaign together where you're doing something really brief and and see what happens and see how great they actually are on camera before you make that decision.
0: And I would imagine you know most people are going to think go for the founder CEO right. And I'm just going to tell you as a founder CEO, that's a big ask for a founder it's CEO. A huge ask. Depending yeah. on how busy they are running the business right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there might be some young person you've hired that's just an excellent communicator has aspirational desires and is really articulate that might you might want to consider i don't know what what's your reaction to this do you find it's really hard to convince the founder ceo's presidents to do this kind of stuff because they're just so darn busy
1: yeah we rarely use the the founder and ceos especially not now when we are working with smaller businesses we would occasionally but you're right i mean they're busy. They have a lot going on. Not to mention, you have to consider too that we're talking about someone who's not only going to be the face and, and have great content that's being put out there, but also from an engagement standpoint. And, and at the end of the day, like if you're realistic here, how many CEOs and founders of decent sized companies are spending loads of time on LinkedIn sending messages and connection requests and engaging? You know, it's just not realistic. And so it looks more realistic when you have people that aren't the founder and the CEO. I'm not saying that it's not important. I 100% still think it's important to brand, you know, a founder and at least have a decent LinkedIn profile and some content. Like, I'm not negating the importance of that. Right. But when we're talking about someone who is, you know, really going to be doing this on a consistent basis and pumping out great content and engaging and being involved, it usually works better if it's not the the founder.
0: Is it usually someone in sales or marketing that you find is doing this or is it? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay.
1: It's usually always someone in sales or marketing.
0: Yeah. Okay. Good. And I would imagine you could even hire for this role, right? I mean, you could have a spokesperson for the company really, right? Yep. Okay. So we're talking about doing thought leadership on our personal profile. What do we need to understand? Like, where do we start? What are the things to consider when it comes to you know, starting, we've decided, let's say we've decided who the heck's going to do this, right? Like, where do we start?
1: Mm -hmm. The first step is optimizing your profile. And I have a checklist for those of you who are listening that will help you out because we don't have time today to get into all of this. But your profile just needs to be super crystal clear on exactly what you do and who you help and the value you provide. So don't spend any time, you know, building your thought leadership or doing outreach. If your profile isn't optimized, that's key. And you guys can check out my profile as an example. But that's that's rule number one is have an optimized profile Now, real
0: quick you said, what do you do? Who do you help? And what's the value you provide, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. So
0: can you just read what your profile says? I mean, do you happen to have it handy?
1: I do. It's funny. I actually, because of my sound being on, you know how my uh, LinkedIn like dings you, I just shut it off. But hold on, I will pull it up right now.
0: I think it's valuable.
1: I also recommend to... Tweak this and play around with this consistently. So I am constantly optimizing my headline like once a month, probably. And you don't have to do it that much. You know, this is obviously my jam and I'm doing this every day, all day, but it's not something that could be one and done. You can constantly tweak it. So here's what mine says: mine says LinkedIn consultant for enterprise sales and marketing teams. And then it goes on to say trainer, speaker, content marketer, founder and CEO of award-winning agency. And then it ends with empowering B2B teams with modern social selling and thought leadership strategies.
0: Real quick. Perfect. It sounds like it's just like three bullet points or something like that, really, right? It
1: is, yeah. So what you want to do is you want to be crystal clear on what you do and who you help. But if possible, you want to put some authority flair in there too. So if there's anything that can make you stand out, um, because that's the whole point, is we're trying to stand out here. And a quick tip for everyone listening, do this on your mobile app. So optimize your profile on the on Uh, your headline on the mobile app because it's going to give you a lot more character spaces to work with.
0: Oh, really? Yes, because because if you do it on the desktop, it limits how many characters. Exactly. Wow, you could think it'd be just the opposite, which is fascinating.
1: Yeah, it's weird. There's a lot of things, uh, real quick, that you can do on the mobile app, too, that you can't do on the desktop that's going to help you stand out. And the the next one is there's a name pronunciation tool. So if you go and edit your profile, just it's in the same headline area. There's a little microphone. It lets you pronounce your name. But really, you can use that as like a 10-second introduction to people and just say hello. It's just one of those elements to humanize. Oh,
0: that is solid gold. Yeah. That is solid so gold. So you can record a little audio clip or something like that.
1: Exactly. How yep, would they yep. even know to click on that? So it, it's super simple. It, well, because it's obvious. It's right next to your name and it looks like a microphone. So it's kind of intriguing. People are like, oh, what's that? So oh, they're going to click
0: see. on it. Oh, yeah. so it doesn't say pronunciation. It's just a little audio thing. That's so cool. Exactly. That's solid gold.
1: It is. But there's something better than that. If you flip on creator mode on your mobile device, uh-huh. you can actually create a 20 second cover story video. So when people hover over your profile picture, it's a video of you introducing yourself and saying whatever you want to say.
0: Does that auto play or how does that work?
1: Uh, you have to click on it. Um, It'll auto like show up if you hover over it. Uh, it'll like play without the sound. But in order to watch it, you have to click on the person's profile photo. But you'll know people that have it because they have an orange circle around their profile photo, kind of like um, Instagram, right? Oh, and yeah. Facebook. yeah.
0: It's like, okay, you click on the picture and then it pops up the video. I see. Exactly. Okay. Very yeah. Cool. So
1: there's a lot of like little tricks like that that are going to help you stand out that most people aren't taking advantage of. And a lot of them are on the mobile app that you have to do it on there. So just FYI.
0: Isn't it true? When you put it in creator mode, all of a sudden it goes from friend request to follower request too. It does. It. That's yeah. really valuable too, right? Because then you don't have to go through all these friend requests and not accept them, right?
1: This is true. But the people that want to connect with you, if they're savvy, they'll know how to, you know, it's just a simple dropdown. Yeah. You can still do it, you know? Yeah. And I haven't seen a decrease in either. Like if, if you take you know, the followers versus connection count. It's about the same. Well, it's more since I've been growing my presence, but I didn't notice anything negative, you know, when I did that. It just rearranges your profile too on creator mode. So it, you know, you can put hashtags like when it says underneath your headline, it'll say talks about with certain hashtags and it's going to rearrange things. It's going to put your featured media up higher and your about section down lower. So it's just little things that are going to make you seem more authoritative in the space when you flip on that creator mode and actually take advantage of everything it has to offer.
0: You know, I did this recently and it's it's some notice came up that said that we're gonna make sure when you write longer posts that some, more people see it or something like that. I don't know if that's oh. true or not, but because huh. I'd never turned it on until recently. Interesting. And it somehow made it as if like the article, quote unquote, that I was writing was going to maybe get a little bit more reach because they were treating it like an article instead of just a text thing, which is really kind of cool.
1: Oh, huh. Okay. That's interesting. I've never heard that before. So thank you for sharing that.
0: What's the connection between the personal profile and the company? Because a lot of people like are going to need to go to their boss and persuade them. How is this interconnection between the profile and the page, especially if it's someone in marketing and sales, like what's the connection between these two metaphorically or even actually, Mm -hmm. you know?
1: Yeah. So the whole goal with with LinkedIn and and our goal as a company when we're working with clients is we want to humanize the brand. And so the best way to humanize a brand and content is to build up your thought leadership from the human beings in your organization. And so what we do is we create content or advise content teams on creating content that is from the the humans. So whoever we decide here, that's going to be the face. And then what we do is, you know, we work that into their personal profile, obviously, but then we pick and choose, hey, out of these six posts, we think that these three that we wrote here would also be great for the company page. And we just recommend you tweak them slightly so that the wording obviously is coming from, you know, the team, the company and not the individual, but these would still make great posts for the company page. And so you can really leverage and repurpose content that you're already creating for the individuals on the company page. Well, Does that make sense? The company page
0: can share, can't it? The personal stuff? Well or no?
1: Here's the thing: if if you're an entrepreneur and, and it's your business, that's fine. But things get really messy when you're a company and you start sharing stuff from executives, and then next thing you know, there's drama and you have to fire the executive, or you know what I mean?
0: Oh, it's because just, oh, I see what you're saying. Less
1: liability.
0: Ah, okay. So what I'm hearing you say is, hey. The company could republish the very same content, whether it's a video or written audio right on the LinkedIn company page. I would imagine you could wait till the content gets pretty good interaction to know it even worked, right? And then you can republish it on the company page, no?
1: Exactly. You know, yeah, no, that's a great point. Yep. To see exactly what works. And so it's a combination of what content makes the most sense to repurpose on the company page and just what you said. What content is actually doing really well on the personal profile or profiles that we can then take and repurpose it for the company page. Exactly.
0: Some people have been thinking about this and want me to ask this question. I can kind of magically hear their minds right now. And they're saying, <laughs> wait a minute, if we pump up an employee inside our company and they get really well known as a result of this, they're probably going to get snatched up by the competition. What do you want to say to that?
1: Yeah. You know, that's just a risk that you're willing to take. I mean, that's the thing. Like our clients are investing in their people, you know, like you are investing in your people's personal brands. And so it's just one of those things, like at the end of the day, this is how you explode businesses right now. Like it is the individual thought leaders within companies that are making big things happen. They're the ones dominating their industries. They're the ones leading the conversations on LinkedIn. And so it's just the nature of the beast, you know? And so I think you should look at it as this is a way that we can stand out and actually a- attract more talent to work with us because we are doing something that our competitors are not doing. We are investing in our employees by growing their personal brands.
0: So does this mean we should do this with more than one employee potentially inside the company?
1: Yes.
0: 100%. Really? Yes. How does- Small
1: businesses don't usually have the resources to do, you know, yeah, more yeah. Than- one or two, but the companies we work with, we're doing this for entire sales teams of 30 plus people.
0: Wow. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about what kind of content we publish. Like up to this point, we've, okay, we've identified somebody. They're going to be the face of the brand or one of the faces of the brand. And we've tweaked our personal profile and optimized it a little bit per the stuff you're recommending. Now they got to start creating content. What kind of content establishes thought leadership?
1: All types of content. That's the key. So you want to diversify your content and try all sorts of different types. And so I'll get into now what works really, really well on LinkedIn in terms of the algorithm and what people like. And then I'll kind of go through that list. But at the end of the day, you need to be trying all sorts of different post types.
0: Okay. Let's go through them one at a time. And that way people will keep listening to hear them all. Okay. We'll start with one and we'll go deep and then we'll go to the next one.
1: Okay. So polls, number one.
0: Okay what are they? And because some people might not be active enough on LinkedIn to even know what they look like and how they work. I mean, we know what polls are, but tell us how they look on LinkedIn.
1: Yeah. So with a poll on LinkedIn, you just pretend like you're creating a new post. You'll get the option for a poll. You can ask the question, and then add four options for people to choose from. And it's just a really great way for people to engage and offer their two cents, not to mention the LinkedIn algorithm loves these. And so the key is you want to make it into a post. So it works best if you can have some context and some value in there or like why are you even making this poll to begin with right and then ask the question and give people options and so the algorithm loves these my highest performing posts have all been polls in terms of views and people love these because people love giving their opinions like people love saying like what they think and so the key is you want to ask the question you know please, you know, let me know, obviously by, by voting, but you also want to ask for more information. And this is key because you want people leaving comments. And so you want to ask the question of let me know your thoughts on this in the comments below, or let me know why you chose this in the comments below, however you want to word it. But the key is the engagement factor here. So the more people you have commenting, the more your posts are going to show up in the feed, just like any other
0: social media network,
1: and the more people are going to see it. And then that's how you get that virality effect.
0: Give us an example. Let's make one up on the fly. Yeah,
1: I actually just posted a poll today, five hours ago, and it's doing really well. And this is an example of a non-industry specific poll. And then I'll give you an example of an industry one that did well and I actually landed clients on. So this one today, it's, do you have close work friends? And it goes on about, according to a Yale University study, you should have them because employees report having close friends are more efficient satisfied with her job, et cetera, et cetera. So then it goes on and I talk about myself and how I, I consider my mod girls friends and I don't hire people that aren't friend potential. And I go into this, right? Oh, wow. So it's, you
0: can tell a big old story before you put the poll in there, huh?
1: Totally. I do it every single time. I make it personal. Like I don't do polls unless I can tie in something from my own personal life into it, work life, right? Or personal life. For That's no matter.
0: cool. I mean, how long can you go? I mean, you can go pretty long, right? I mean,
1: well, you, there's three. LinkedIn recently expanded their character limit to 3000 characters now. So you can go on and on.
0: It's, so you can write a full on article and still have yes, a poll in it. Okay.
1: You totally. can. I probably wouldn't recommend that unless it's amazing content.
0: Wait, it's 3000 characters or 3000 words? 3000 char- 3, character yeah, okay. word. 3, so, so, characters. Yeah. So, okay. So you tell this story that keep going. Yep.
1: And so then the, you know, it ends with, you know, one of the perks of being the boss is I get to choose who I work with. And I mentioned, you know, I had a great time in San Diego with my mod girl, Sarah, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I say, so I want to know, do you have close work friends? And then I say, tag them in the comments below. Mm. So this is interesting because what's funny is I didn't do this at first. Okay, so we posted this morning, and I noticed people tagging their close work friends, and I was like, "Oh my god, thanks for the thanks for the reminder." Why didn't I say that? So then I changed it. I went back and edited it and said, "Tag them in the comments below," because that's amazing too. Because a, you're getting more people to engage, and b, you're getting people excited. Like, oh, that's so sweet that you tagged me as a friend, a work friend. You know, so this is huge too. Anytime you can tag people in things or mention tag people and things it does really well because again it's all about that engagement factor
0: and that's not a negative algorithm hit when you say that because on the other platforms it is where's the poll in this
1: so then at the bottom at the bottom after you click read more it says the poll is do you have close work friends and then the options are yes it's great yes at past jobs no but i'm open to it no not my style and as of now this was, again, five hours ago. It has 28,000 views, 691 votes, and 61 comments.
0: Now, this is where it gets fascinating. How many people do you have following you on LinkedIn, if you don't mind me asking? Do you know?
1: I have, good question, 27,258.
0: And how many views does it have? Twenty some
1: Mm-hmm. In five hours, I'm hitting the back button, 28,000.
0: So she's got more views than she does followers, right? And let's explain why. It's because... And we learn this with polls too, because somebody tipped us off on this and we do this on our page. We do very basic polls. We don't have all the text behind it. But every time someone engages with that poll, their network sees it, right? Mm -hmm. That's the secret sauce to LinkedIn, isn't it?
1: (laughs) Yes, it is. Yeah. Anything you can do to get engagement that's going to show up, hey, Mandy, you know, just X, Y, Z on this poll or commented or liked
0: or whatever. So this is how a poll becomes thought leadership because you're telling a story You're bringing Mm -hmm. a community together. They're interacting with it, right? That's magical. It's completely magical.
1: And let me tell you why I really, really love this is because you can use this as a lead generation tool. And this is actually... Probably my best LinkedIn Legion tool, and let me show you how it works. So you have an industry-specific poll, not this, not this one. I would not use this one as an industry-specific poll for Legion, but I had one that was, um, how many follow-up messages should you be sending to people on LinkedIn? Right, like that's an example. We do social selling, etc. So anything that is an industry-specific poll, all you have to do is go and send a message to your targeted first-degree connections, and literally say hey, Tim, I recently, I posted this poll today and thought of you, would appreciate your one-click vote. Hope you're doing well. And then you just put the URL. I have landed so many clients from doing that.
0: Hold on, just before we get to the why. <laughs> um, okay, so just to be clear, you did a poll that was directly, what was the question again? You said it was, uh, how, many, how many times do you do follow-up with people? Was that what the poll yep, was?
1: That was one of them. Another one that I've used to get clients is, should companies invest in LinkedIn training for their employees. That was another one
0: I did. Okay. So that poll, the reason why that's different than the other poll is because you sell services that's directly related exactly. to to the thing. So you're exactly. messaging your network of, I, I don't know what they call them. I'd call them friends, you know, be, be acquaintance, mm-hmm. whatever, professional connection, yep. right? Your yep. first degree connections, you're strategically networking all of them or just some of them or ones that you really Good wish question. were clients or what?
1: You can do this with the free version of LinkedIn. It just takes more time. But if you're on the free version of LinkedIn, just use your search tool and select, use the search parameters and select who you are targeting that are your first degree connections. We use Sales Navigator because we can build, I can build a highly targeted list of tech CMOs in my Sales Navigator account, and then I can send it to them via Sales Navigator. But you can do this with the free version too. It's just about using LinkedIn search, selecting the parameters, Who are, who is it you're going after? First degree connections. They Their title is chief marketing officer. Their industry is technology. Boom, you now have a list of people.
0: And it's automated. It inserts their name and everything? It pops up. Or do you have to click it 500 times or what? It'll
1: pop up everyone, but you have to manually send okay. them the message.
0: But still, you know? okay. Anybody yeah. right now who is in any kind of sales that's listening to this, is like thinking you're amazing.
1: (laughs) Well, let me just to make you think I'm more amazing. I'm going to read. I literally just pulled up on my sales navigator, the exact message I sent to land a six figure client uh, last year. Okay. So this is all it says. Let's hear it. Hey, Tim, I posted a poll last week and would love your one click vote on it. URL. It's just the link. And then it says, thanks and hope you are doing well, Mandy. That's That's it. it. That's it. And what's funny is I did this too late. So, don't do it a week later. Like you can do, you can, but ideally, you want to do it within that the first few days of you posting the poll.
0: Why does this work?
1: Why does it work? Yeah. Okay.
0: Explain the connection. Why in the world me- private messaging these people actually helps with business?
1: Let me tell you Tim's response, and then it'll help my answer here. Okay, so when I sent that to Tim, the CMO of this this company that I now work with, he says. Hi, Mandy, just voted. And LinkedIn training has been something on my mind for my team recently. So perfect timing. Cheers, Tim.
0: And then of course you followed up and you closed the deal, right?
1: Hey, Tim, thanks for your vote. Glad it was perfect timing. I'm happy to chat with you about our LinkedIn training for your team. Once I find out a bit more about your goals, I can give my insights into what would work best for you. Do you want to hop on a quick call this week? And then it went from there. Awesome.
0: This is so cool. All right, so this is the first one, right? And this, how often should we be doing polls?
1: Very good question. Here's the thing. Polls are interesting. Some people are annoyed with them because they're you see them all over LinkedIn. And the reason you see them is because they do so well. So I would say if you're posting more than three times a week, one poll a week is fine. If you're not posting that much, I would stick to maybe a couple a month.
0: Okay, cool. So what's the next kind of content we should be producing?
1: Carousel posts. The second most popular in terms of views.
0: You know, I just have to say something before we go on to carousel posts. Yeah. If you're going to write a little post of any kind of written thing, you may as well just throw a poll into it, right? I mean, that's what it, really what I'm hearing you say, right? Yes and no. It, it sounds like it, you said it was hidden, right? So it's not there unless they open it up and read the whole thing, no? Or no, or yes?
1: Well, correct. Yeah, correct. They, they would have to click read more to see the rest, you know? But you just don't want to look like you're abusing the poll algorithm hack. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. No, but I'm saying if you're going to write this killer post, you know, yeah, and not have a poll... But you want engagement. That sounds like a a way to add engagement to to a post.
1: So what's it's funny you mentioned that, Mike, because that and then carousel posts, this is what people are doing that are trying to hack the algorithm. They'll do the same thing I'm getting ready to tell you Uh, about carousels. And instead of making it just like one image, they'll turn it into a carousel post because that gets way more views. So you have a good point on, you know, if you have something that you really want to get a lot of traction on, try making it, turning it into a poll or a carousel post.
0: So what is a carousel post? Talk to us about that.
1: So a carousel post is honestly just a PDF. It's like a fancy way of saying a PDF. So you literally just go like you're going to make a post on LinkedIn and it'll allow you to upload a PDF. And so what works well is you want to create these and using a tool like Canva, for example, where you can make pretty aesthetically pleasing uh, PDFs that have big text that pop and then people can just, you know, swipe through them, if you will.
0: Oh, that's so different than what it is on Instagram, where it's a bunch of images, right? So it's actually a PDF, not a bunch of images, right?
1: Correct. You can put images within the PDF if you want, but most people don't. They just put a branded Canva PDF that's, you know, like maybe five squares and each square, if you will, or page of the PDF has information. And then you just swipe through. That's it.
0: Is this only a mobile thing or is this also desktop? It's desktop too. Yep. Okay. So, but it has to be readable on mobile, right? So it's not just anything that's inside the PDF because otherwise you're not going to be able to read it. So give us a couple tips on like, what are you seeing people do with the content on each slide, if you will? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Good question. So I like doing it for stats, for example. So, you know, if we're trying to prove a point on why someone needs to be leveraging LinkedIn, for example, like one of my carousel posts that did well was I literally had like five or six stats in each slide had a statistic with big lettering that popped. You know, you can do this. We, we work with clients and we do this for their lead magnets. And so this is a really great way to get more people to download your lead magnets because what you want to do is let's say you have a, a checklist or a white paper or whatever. You want to take the key points from that lead magnet and turn them into bite-size value content that, you know, let's say one sentence or it needs to be short, punchy, put those on the slides. And then in the comments, you know, in the post itself, you know, click the link in the comments to download the rest of, you know, the full, whatever the title is of the lead magnet, you know, so it's kind of like taking a really condensed high level brief overview of your gated content and putting them as like a teaser for people into a carousel post. And then the call to action is download the full resource.
0: Okay. Is there a limit to how many little slides or whatever you can have?
1: Yeah, I think it's 10 or 12. We recommend like the five to seven is like the sweet spot of the slides. And
0: if you happen to use a PDF that has hot links in it, it's not going to work, it sounds like, right? mm Nope. Okay. So if you're already doing carousels on like Instagram, it sounds like you could use the same art, right? Couldn't exactly. you? And 100%. You could just, you could just export it, You have your designers or whatever exported into PDFs, but you were saying that Canva has templates that makes this easy. Is that right?
1: Yes. Yeah. We use Canva for this. And, and the cool thing is, is it doesn't have to be a certain size. Like we use square, but it can be whatever size you want.
0: Does it take over the whole screen when you open it or how's that work?
1: you can. And the cool thing is you click on it and it can open up into the whole screen and then people can download it directly too. So oh, that's okay. the cool thing too, is it opens up into the, takes up the full screen. And then there's a button where people can actually download the PDF to their desktop.
0: Very cool. What's the next one? Cause I know we've got another one here, right?
1: Videos, my favorite.
0: Yeah. Talk to me about that.
1: So videos are obviously incredible on any platform because you know, there's no, in my opinion, there's no other way to build amazing trust and authority and thought leadership with people than what video allows you to do. And so the interesting thing about video on LinkedIn is the views are always usually pretty low compared to carousel posts, polls, and even text only posts. And so you can't necessarily look at the vanity metrics and and base that off of the success. Because what's crazy is if you look at my statistics, my videos in terms of views don't get nearly, you know, the, the views as my other posts, But everyone that hires me or reaches out to me, they always talk about my videos. I love your videos, I feel like I know you, your videos are so valuable, but if you look at my data, you'd be like, huh, that's weird, you know? But that's the thing, And so. Give us some tips, so
0: like what kind of videos, because there's so many varieties of videos, right?
1: So what works well, what I have found works well, is short video clips, 30 seconds to three minutes even. It really just depends. Um, Short, punchy videos that have big subtitles. So we add the captions. We have a title up front that's big. And then at the bottom, we have big subtitles that obviously say what I'm saying in the video so people don't have to actually listen to the sound since most people don't. And then you also want to make sure that you are summarizing your video in the text itself. And this is key, too. And you don't necessarily have to give away the, you know, crown jewels, if you will. But you need to give them enough information in the post to keep them engaged and wanting more, because a lot of people literally just read the post and they might just read the subtitles, but they're probably not going to, you know, a lot of them don't actually like listen to the video. And so if you have context there, it's going to help versus just saying, hey, watch my new video.
0: Got it. So when you say the text, you mean you can write a little text, piece of text like, You can with all these other things that could summarize what's in the video or incentivize them to watch the video. And then it sounds like you should have captions baked into the video, not necessarily closed captioning, but actually like get one of those pieces of software that actually puts the words you're saying right on the video. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, you can do that or you can just do the SRT file. You know, that's an option too.
0: Are we recording these with the LinkedIn app? Are we doing them vertical, horizontal, square?
1: These are native videos that I'm talking about here. And so
0: you upload them as MP4s or move files or whatever. So record them with your phone, basically, is what I'm hearing you say, or a professional camera, either one.
1: Exactly. Either one. It doesn't really matter what we do, because I go live on LinkedIn once a month now. I was going weekly. And so I have loads of video content just for me going live. So what we do is we take snippets from my all my LinkedIn lives and we turn those into mini video clips.
0: What about the the format, the square, vertical? What what's the
1: square? Yeah, square works best.
0: So, do you recommend the face be close and everything? Like you'd put it on a tripod or a selfie stick or something like that? Is that generally what you recommend, or what's your thoughts?
1: Yeah, as long as it's not shaky and the lighting's right. good, it really doesn't matter.
0: But I would imagine since you're trying to brand yourself, you should probably be kind of central inside the frame of the thing, right?
1: Yeah. You need to be in the videos. Is that what you're asking? (laughs) No,
0: I'm just curious how big you need to be. Like, I would imagine it'd be more, if they can see your face, clearly that's better for the video. Is it not? Like if you get kind of close, like selfie, like if you're taking a selfie, we're talking about like even closer than if you're taking a selfie potentially, right? Yeah. Like maybe your head is like a a third of the frame or something like that.
1: head video. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Your, your face needs to it needs to be clear so people can see your face because to your point, I'm glad you brought that up. Like that's the whole point of us talking about video right now is to build your thought leadership and be seen as an authority figure. And people can't do that if they can't see your face. So Do you
0: recommend you kind of be raw and authentic and not edit out stuff? Or do you recommend that you have someone edit this? What's your thoughts on this?
1: I like being raw and authentic. But with that said, I do have a video editor. And so if I am like stumbling really bad and I really like the clip, I will have him take the ums out if I say um too many times or if I sound weird. But I also love the authentic part of this. And that's why I love going live because it is live. Like you can't, you know, and and I feel like I'm authentic enough with going live so much. Right. Um, But I, I like both, you know, like if you're comfortable with being authentic and and you stumble, like that's amazing. You know, if you're annoyed at yourself and want to edit it, then edit it, you know? (laughs)
0: Right. Right. Mandy, this has been solid gold. And I know you teased about some sort of resource earlier that you were going to give everybody. So where can they discover more about you and all the great things you got going on?
1: Yes. So if you guys want to download my profile optimization checklist, it'll help make your life easier in terms of optimizing your profile to make it amazing. So you can go to linkedin.modgirl.social and download that checklist. Cool. And then follow me on LinkedIn. So type in Mandy McEwen, follow me, connect with me, mention that you heard me on this amazing podcast. And uh, modgirlmarketing.com is where everything else lives.
0: So it's linkedin.modgirl.com slash What social?
1: No, it's just linkedin.modgirl.social.
0: Oh, dot social. Okay, cool. Yeah,
1: I like the fancy URL
0: extensions. And McEwen, why don't you go ahead and spell that for everybody? Because they might get it wrong.
1: M-C-E-W-E-N.
0: M-C-E-W-E-N. Mandy McEwen, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insights with us. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people are like going to go talk to their whoever and say, okay, we need to listen to this and we need to do this. And if you all do this, let Mandy know, let me know. Yes. Really, really appreciate your time today.
1: Great. Well, thanks so much for having me, Mike. I enjoyed it.
0: Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 481. If you're new to this show, be sure to follow us. If you're a long time listener, would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram this brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and I'll be back with you next week. I hope that you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. See you soon. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.